Welcome to the Consulting Lifestyle Podcast. I am your host, Diogen Tirandekura. On this show, you will discover the realities, the successes and the struggles of business management and information technology consultants in the fast-moving B2B world. So stay tuned if you want to know more about what it takes to have a consulting lifestyle. People, processes and technologies are the three main ingredients required in order to succeed in a uh, ERP implementation or CRM implementation project. And um, during those projects, we uh, focus a lot of energy and uh, resources on the process and uh, technology components. And sometimes, unfortunately, the people aspect is either uh, neglected or we do rush into um, into uh, taking into account uh, that aspect. And uh, today I am happy to have uh, Ruth Fernandez, who is someone that is hugely experienced, which has inter- international experience in uh, doing uh, change management uh, during uh, SAP and uh, IT uh, IT projects. Uh, we will also talk uh, about about uh, implicit bias with regards to uh, to gender uh, in the in advertising and at the and at the workplace so it would be a very interesting uh, uh, conversation uh, that i have with uh, Ruth Fernandez and uh, let's just start the conversation hello and uh, welcome to the consulting lifestyle podcast to uh, Ruth Fernandez Ruth how are you i'm good thank you how are you Diogen? I'm uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, we are both from uh, from Montreal, and uh, it's the end of April, so we are home, of of course, <laughs> uh, because we are in a in a lockdown currently. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, uh, with Ruth, I think what is very interesting is that you are the first uh, guest uh, that is uh, specialized, or at least that has a lot of experience in change management. So uh, we will uh, mainly uh, talk about that during the episode. So let's start first, Ruth, with uh, uh, you talking about your uh, career story. Thank you. And thank you for inviting me to be on the podcast. Um, so a bit about my background. Um, I actually uh, have a journalism degree. My undergraduate degree is in journalism. And I, um, I will tell you what year I graduated, but um, that was quite some time ago. And <laughs> unfortunately, I was a newspaper major. And uh, I was a reporter for a few years and actually worked for some community newspapers and did editing and reporting. Um, but of course, you know, journalism and newspapers, especially uh, in the early 90s, were in a decline. Um, so I started doing other work and eventually mm-hmm. did all kinds of writing uh, from marketing, medical writing. And then, of course, I fell into technical writing. And that's actually was my way into consulting about 22 years ago um, as I was hired because of my technical writing skills. Um, and uh, day two, after being hired by uh, an SAP consulting firm, was uh, was sent to an SAP project to, to start documenting uh, the system. So I was really thrown in. Um, and then since then, I've just evolved. I've, I've done communication roles on projects um, and also moved into more change management roles, organizational design, change impact, stakeholder analysis. Who are we touching with this project? How do we, how do we transition them to the new way of doing things? Uh, and so I've been doing that for, yeah, like I said, 22 years. I'm now independent. I work for three firms before going independent recently. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, just wanted to uh, go out on my own and, uh, and do some different things as well. Besides also ERP, I have social media and collaboration expertise. So I've been, uh, I've been doing uh, more of that lately as well. 
Oh, excellent. So right now you're an independent consultant mm -hmm. and uh, with your um, uh, corporate uh, consulting service is mostly focused on change management or are there other services that you... Uh... Yeah, so I'm flexible because I have a varied um, background. Uh, the technical writing has come up quite a bit as well as communication editing. So mm -hmm. I've, especially during this um, lockdown, uh, I, I just took some small contracts of doing some technical writing, etc. But the bulk of my work is change management on, on large... Uh, uh, you know, ERP projects, mostly SAP and what they call transformation projects, digital transformation now. Yeah. Yeah. So, so um, uh, whenever we have those uh, big projects, we uh, we tend to focus on the on the tech, um, the, the tech side of it, the the process side uh, uh, of it as well. Uh, but we often uh, uh, forget uh, that third component, which is uh, about the, the 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 people and the organization. Uh, uh, that will be using those new systems and uh, and, and new processes. So, um, uh, how will you? Uh, I don't want to say define, but how do you see uh, what is change management and what role it has in general uh, in those uh, big ERP projects? So, I, I guess it, it's in a nutshell. Um, I really think it's a lot like journalism and communication in that ah. you need to explain what's happening in mm -hmm. a concise way that your audience will understand. Um, so back in the day when I used to do court reporting, I had to go to court and listen to court cases and, and write a very short story about what was happening with a case, for example. Mm -hmm. Well, it's the same thing with, uh, you know, let's say an SAP, a large SAP project. Uh, number one, you need to explain to your employees, why are we doing this? So I've been doing my job for 20 years, whatever my job is in this company. Maybe I'm a, I'm a customer service rep and I've been using the same phone system and I'm doing okay and the company's doing well. Why do we need to change what we're doing, right? So you need to, to give people an understanding of what's going on. Um, and then you also need to understand where are they coming from? What are the things they will need to transition, whether it's training, communication, coaching sometimes for leadership. Sometimes managers within the company who are supposed to be the ones who are the champions of the change are not buying in themselves. Sometimes yeah. you need to have some coaching by you know senior people or um, give incentives for people to 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 change and to accept the change. It's all those activities that will get them to the end of the day where you want to be. Um, actually, several years after the project goes live, usually, <laughs> but you know towards the end state, which is the improvement. Whatever improvement you thought you were going to have, take some time and transition, and you need to help those people come along with you for that change. Yeah, and, and uh, you, you mentioned uh, so something important is that in, in some projects, uh, you may have uh, the, the, the management uh, at, at the other side or some members in the management uh, uh, team that are not buying into the change that is uh, going to happen. Right. Uh, uh, how, uh, if there is a, a magic formula, uh, that would be great. Uh, but uh, how, how do you, how would you deal with that when you are faced with those, uh, uh, those type of challenges? So absolutely, there, there's different ways. It, it really depends on the situation. Um, you know, in, in certain cases, uh, one of the things that we've done is we've uh, implemented incentives or rewards. So, uh, for example, uh, when uh, during my time at IBM, we actually worked in um, uh, goals into the person's annual performance review. You have to be talking about this strategic thing or or showing the the demonstrating the the um, the skills or the 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 the, uh, the managing ability of your people to help yep. them.
make the change as part of your review. So you had skin in the game that you were going to be rewarded or measured on that. Um, uh, we've, you know, in the worst situations, we've had to have difficult conversations. I, I shouldn't say me as the consultant, but HR or a manager or the person who's signing their check sometimes <laughs> mm-hmm. has to have a conversation to say, well, this is the direct direction our organization is going. Why are you uncomfortable or what, you know, what can we do to make you comfortable? So some, you know, I've told um, many clients, change management isn't easy. It's people. People aren't always easy. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's, it, it's not a one size fits all. You have to have a, um, a strategy at every organization based on their culture. How have they done change in the past? Has it been successful? You know, are people afraid? Are, is the company risk averse? So there are some more industries who, you know, don't want to change because of the risks to their organization, well, it, whether it be safety, you know, safety is number one in there, so they don't want to change something because it could cause a risk, uh, or quality of their product, et cetera. So you have to kind of really examine what is going on culturally uh, within your organization in order to figure out how to do the change properly. So that, that that's a great answer, uh, and that's very important. The cultural aspect uh, of uh, of change matters. Uh, but but you, uh, uh, Ruth, you have worked in uh, with uh, huge uh, uh, clients, uh, and in uh, in different countries. So with uh, your work with clients that have uh, offices uh, all around the world. So um, you, how will you dissect? Uh, maybe I, I don't want to that to become a tutorial, but uh, <laughs> how would you approach culture, cultural change uh, with a global client? Uh, how, do you, how did you uh, experience uh, that? So I've worked on, um, I'm trying to think now, one, two, three, probably one large, one of the largest projects in the world, but also a couple of smaller ones that were global. Um, and I've learned, the first one I did was early in the 2000s and, um, mm-hmm. you know, being a kid who grew up in Montreal and, you know, who's very Western, basically, <laughs> you know, you're, you're applying what you, what you think will work. And you realize, oh, okay, in Asia, this, this doesn't really go well. Or, um, you know, one thing we, we used to hear was, you know, if you ask somebody, and I'm very uh, genuine when I ask somebody, okay, is there, are there any concerns? There, no question is a, a wrong question. You can ask anything you want. I'm very genuine when I say that. And, um, and I realize it makes me nervous when nobody asks a question because yeah. that means they're not ready or willing or able to ask the question because of culture. Mm-hmm. So I, I learned very quickly that you have to find out about that country or that region or what have you in order to figure out how to maneuver. Um, so there are some tools um, as I got more experience in, in, in consulting and in change was there are tools where you can find out about those countries and what are the differences and you know, um, how, how to maneuver around them or, or understand, oh my God, if I do what I would normally do, I'm going to offend somebody, right? So then you can change your tactic. So there's ways of, of, of dealing with that. Um, but sometimes it's trial or error and you realize, oh, <laughs> that didn't work there. So we've got to do something to correct that. So it, you, you can't be perfect. So it's human. Um, and, you know, in my experience, luckily, most of the times, uh, people realize that I'm genuine and then I'll apologize if I did something that offended yeah. them or, or say, okay, I'm not sure if this will work here, but what do you think? And I really want your input because I want this to work for you. Um, so that's been good. Um, the hardest thing for me is the time zones. <laughs> when you work on international projects is really you want to try and accommodate people. Like I can't ask somebody in India or China to be up at the crack of dawn every time just so that I can have a call at a, a rational time for me. 
sometimes I'll have to adjust and take a call in the middle of the night. So you learn to accommodate and, and adjust to um, make it work for, for whoever you're dealing with in that country. Um, yes. So that, that, that's another uh, important aspect. Uh, as, a, as, as a consultant, you're, you, you are often the person that um, will accommodate uh, um, We will accommodate the clients, uh, so you will adapt your uh, uh, your your work schedules. So uh, w w when I because because maybe uh, one aspect uh, as well uh, that the, that is related to working in a, in big project is that that change management team uh, itself is also a, is also a big team. So there is one one is the the mission of the team, but it then is also uh, managing the team itself. Um, so where you often uh, Uh, is it often the same person, the, the person that will manage the change management team and then manage the, 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 the client? Or is it like two people different, two different people that have to do that? Oh, no. In my experience, it's been both. I've, I have to, uh, you know, help work with the, my client, client counterpart. So if I'm a change management lead on a project, I usually have a counterpart. And then together, you know, I would make suggestions based on my experience, obviously. But that person brings their knowledge of the organization and the culture. So we would come up with a strategy. And then the two of us, um, so sometimes I've been, I haven't had a counterpart, but most times I do, we together manage our change management team wherever they're located. Um, so it's, yes, it's definitely two hats. You have to uh, manage yeah. a team and then, uh, and then manage, uh, manage your stakeholders outside the team. Yeah, that's uh, that. That can be uh, indeed. That is uh, that is very uh, cha challenging. So that's why I assume that it's a, a lifestyle in which uh, you have to work long hours, possibly uh, travel, etc. Et so we have all all of that as well to uh, uh, to deliver the the, the project. Uh, then uh, related to uh, related to change management, you have also been uh, involved in uh, uh, pro projects. Uh, to improve uh, social collaboration within uh, your uh, uh, within your next uh, your previous employer, uh, can you uh, can you a bit elaborate on that? What is meant by social collaboration? What type of things did you uh, uh, try to uh, foster there? Sure. So uh, it, social collaborative behavior, or sometimes a, they lump it into digital skills as well, um, is using um, internet communication tools or virtual tools or software. Um, to collaborate with people who are not co-located. Um, so when I was at IBM uh, you know, in 2013 for a couple of years, I um, was leading uh, the um, social business internally uh, project that we uh, ran for the consulting division. So, you know, uh, IBM's consulting division uh, has consultants all over the world also Um, for example, you and I, even if we were in the same practice, we might never see each other. We might be on different projects. Mm -hmm. So we had to find a way for, for us to support each other and to work together um, and to build community, even though we were not having meetings and not able to be in the office together. Um, so, you know, of course, IBM is a technology company, so we already had some of those tools, internal, you know, internal chat systems, um, wikis, uh, databases, etc. But, um, you know, IBM had developed many more tools. Uh, Connections is one of them that's similar to Yammer, for example, or SharePoint. Um, so my job as the global community lead was to work um, with uh, the practices within the consulting division to encourage them to increase how much online collaboration they were doing. Um, and uh, coaching some of the leaders, um, improving how um, you know practices. So for example, um, within the SAP practice, 
we encouraged the leaders to use their internal community. We set up a community for them, which had everything, a form, a blog, a wiki. Um, and we started having leaders share more there so that their, their, their um, practitioners, their consultants all over the world, thousands upon thousands of them could go there and get information and could also go. And I could ask an SAP, uh, a question about SAP that I had a problem with at my client. And hopefully 20,000 consultants throughout the world who are also SAP consultants, who are members of this community would answer my question, crowdsourcing. Mm -hmm. So um, given what's happening in today's world, It's, yeah. it's it's so interesting, you know. I think they, you know, we need some more coaching and change management for the organizations who have not picked this up yet. Um, and at IBM, we're, we were very proud throughout the organization, not just in consulting. Um, at one point, the VP of social business at IBM uh, said, you know, eighty percent of employees go and go into an internal um, online um, service, whether it's connections or using a chat system, same time or uh, et cetera, every day. And he thought that was almost 100% of uh, adoption because there are people at IBM who are not online all the time. They're actually building mainframes. They're in factories, so they don't access. So he's saying, if we got 80% of our population to access this somehow, then we're very, very successful. And I'm really proud because during my tenure, um, when I was there, we increased um, collaboration because we did all kinds of measurements. And we also did success stories and interviews, and we increased collaboration by almost 200%, which was incredible. Um, And now (laughs) we are forced, everyone is forced to now use their digital skills. Um, You know, as I was scrambling today to find lighting and (laughs) figure out, you know, how I could do this from home, we all have to to learn how to to do things remotely. And um, I think the organizations that were, were resistant, the you know, or who were quote unquote traditional and needed people to be in the building, have had to let that go. And so we can we have to demonstrate success stories about how working remotely because we had to is being is very successful. Yeah. Um, so um, and I'm a big promoter. Even before I took the job, I took the job because I was already kind of a champion. Um, I was already using those tools, and I'm kind of already, you know, my friends go always say, well, if you want to know, if you want to know something, ask Ruth, she'll show you how to find it. Because I always am trying to get to the source of information. I can find things out, probably my journalism background research. But I was, my friends were, were like, you're a knowledge broker, you know where to find things. Well, that's the key to being successful, is knowing how to, fi- how to figure out where to find the information. No, that's um, yes, yes. So that's a skill that has that has helped you and that is helping you uh, during your whole uh, your whole life and uh, and, and career. So uh, this ability to uh, find uh, to to find things and to uh, share your knowledge then uh, then to others. Um, uh, th- that's great. Uh, first of all, uh, congrats for uh, for this um, the t- almost two hundred percent increase uh, in uh, in social uh, collaborative uh, behavior. Um, of, there are a lot of organizations where uh, there might be either a generational gap or cultural gap uh, in which the, the management thinks that if their uh, employees are not in front of their eyes, uh, they, they might not be working. So they just suspect that the, those people are not working. Right. Uh, I don't know if you, you have had... Um, the, the chance uh, to to work uh, to have uh, to deal with that type of uh, of, of change uh, during your career, but uh, how would you 
how would you uh, uh, deal with that uh, with that type of uh, that type of management absolutely uh, several times actually uh, even one one project that i was on internally at ibm there were ibmers who were mm-hmm. uh, who were more traditional and were you know were not used to having people say well i need to work from home because my kid is sick or whatever the case may be um, and i find you have to you have to try you push the envelope but you prove that you, that you're productive Um, My last client, actually, when I was still with IBM, um, was very traditional in that, you know, they didn't believe anybody was working on Friday. (laughs) When we went home on Thursday, they thought we were all in our pajamas and, you know, I don't know, watching soap operas. I don't know. Um, But um, the fact of the matter is that I was very responsive. I always got texts. I always got calls. Whether they were testing me in the beginning, um, you know, several of, um, of our stakeholders I think one or one or two must have been testing me, but several of them needed a lot of reassurance. So they were calling me, but I was always responsive. I was always available. Whether I, if I said I was truthful, you know, I did my groceries on Friday. I, you know, was out doing something, but I was available and I, and I worked part of the, part of the day. Um, so I responded. And, and so eventually they understood that. And I remember at one point um, they, we wanted to have uh, collectively the consultants, Said, you know, can we do some more remote work? And and the client was really against it. And several of my stakeholders, who I worked with regularly, said, look, it can be done. Like, look at Ruth; she answers our call whenever, or she responds to us. It's not a long time before she responds to us. Of course, we can do it. So I think you have to demonstrate to people um, and, and and build their trust, right? Um, so, and in my case, I actually got quite ill a couple of times with with sinus infections and and my father was ill once so I had to stay home and I was working I attended meetings they saw my face or we did a conference call so you can make things work um, and so I think if you demonstrate it then eventually folks will will start to believe it uh, that's uh yes that's uh that, that, that's important and then now we have kind of uh kind of no choice uh because yeah. uh, so at least temporarily but uh, i think it will be also the new normal uh with the pandemic and the social distancing rules uh more and more uh, uh companies will be working remote and more and more employees will be looking to work for companies that uh, enable uh, a remote work. Uh, how, how do you see the the future of your profession? Uh, was was change management uh, something that had to be done uh, on site? Did you have to get in touch with people face to face in order to do your job, or is it something still feasible uh, remotely? How do you? See yeah, that? it's a tough question because I do feel that you need you need you need some of that. Um, personal connection in person, I think it depends on who, who the stakeholder is. So for example, um, perhaps, you know, at certain times during a project, um, uh, and let's take an SAP project, you're changing what people are doing, the little tasks they're doing in their job, or maybe you're do- doing away with half of their manual paperwork, right? Yep. So you're changing 50%. Let's take that as an example. Well, eventually my strategy, our change management plan would be for HR and their manager to have a conversation with them about, you know, Ruth, your job is, you're, you're not losing your job, but you're, you know, we're taking away this, and but we want you to do these tasks. Don't worry, we're going to train you. In a perfect world, of course, you would want to sit down with Ruth and you would want to have the conversation with three of you together. But having said that, we could also do a phone call. Like it could be a phone call. It could be video chat. But those kinds of things, I'm still you know, I think people still would want to see the person. So I think we're going to have to adjust. And ha- keeping in mind that 
even when we go back to quote unquote, going back to work in person, <laughs> being there, we're going to have to have new rules. We might have bigger walls in our cubicles. We might have, you know, we might have to wear masks. We might. So I think there, you might be in a conference room and be six feet away from the people until we figure out a vaccine and testing. The world will change completely. So, so maybe we could still have, having said that, um, of course, it's feasible to do it remotely. I mean, early in the 2000s was my first um, international multinational project. And we had um, the town halls virtually um, with the president in one country or one region. And, and we had video and, and, you know, we did it back then. It was a little bit more manual. We had representatives there taking the questions and <laughs> calling. Mm-hmm. Them. And now we have tools where we could, we have chat. On Zoom, you can chat and ask your question. You know, there's there's other ways of, of handling it. So, and also back in the even back in, in 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 that time, we used to have change agents. The change agents would be representing the project and uh, would be on site. So, if you're, you know, even if you're uh, if you have plants, if your if your client is, has lots of plants, and you know, in different municipalities or different areas of the city, even if it wasn't another country, we would probably send someone there. To, to work with them and work with us. And that person to a large extent would be remote from us. So I think that um, we that's been a traditional way of doing it. So I think we could continue having all those social distancing rules in place once we're there. Um, but, um, and also, you know, on one project, we use SharePoint um, to create a community. So super users could go there after we went live and could get answers to their questions. So there are already ways we've been using, um, you know, digital tools and internet communication tools to support these initiatives. We're just gonna have to maybe rely on them a little more, perhaps uh, create more video content so people can see each other. Um, uh, you know, uh, I, think, I think it's feasible. And given that we don't have a choice now, we're gonna have to. We're gonna have to, yeah. Yeah. And uh, you, you have worked uh, uh, in, a, in a lot of uh, uh, global projects, but now, and, and you were part of uh, IBM, which is uh, uh, one of the biggest uh, com- companies in the world, of course. Uh, but uh, today you're independent, you're by yourself or you're with a team? Uh, no, I'm by myself. Yeah. Um, um, but stay, trying to stay connected to my network of friends and colleagues who I've worked with before. Um, but uh, but my but myself trying to to get contracts and and uh, work with clients. Okay, okay. And uh, do you do you would you uh, target as well working with uh, huge organizations or would you also work with small and medium businesses or just both? Anything really. I mean, yeah. I have to admit, like I, I really I really like going into a client. Doesn't matter what size the client is. I've had small clients as well, um, and. And understanding what they do and and understanding what they're trying to accomplish and then helping them get to that point. Um, you know, it's their project. I leave eventually. Right? <laughs> so I, it's always like, this is what you wanted to do. And I want to help you get there. So, you know, uh, the social media stuff that I've been doing has been for smaller companies. So I've been doing uh, stuff for family owned businesses, even small businesses. Um, so no, I, I don't discriminate. I'm, it, I really, really want to understand what they need and then try and, and figure out how to make it happen. 
Yes, that, that's very interesting. You have a breadth, then you, the, your breadth of experience uh, brought to a breadth of uh, uh, different types of, uh, of, of companies. Uh, I think that's great. Uh, also, so you have 20 years, more than 20 years in, uh, in consulting uh, and you had a, a degree, as you said at the start, in arts and, uh, and journalism. And uh, today you, you, also, you also recently had another uh, uh, academic uh, uh, achievement and uh, you're also uh, very engaged in terms of uh, getting more women in uh, STEM, meaning uh, uh, science, technology, engineering and mathematics. Uh, can you talk a, a little bit about your uh, engagement there? Absolutely, yes. Um, and it's, I find it very exciting. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I'm just going to take some water. Yes, yes. So I just finished my master's degree in professional communication, a master of arts. Um, and my, uh, thank you very much. And my research project um, was about um, how uh, technology companies were trying to attract um, girls um, to stay involved with STEM and eventually become, you know, their employees, eventually become the STEM workforce of tomorrow. And it's a very big concern in research, um, and, you know, that for over 40 years, um, the, the percentage of people, of women going into STEM is pretty much steady at about 25%. Now, that does not include healthcare. Um, for example, in Canada, 50% of, of healthcare professionals are women. That's wonderful. But in the in the the, the hard sciences, engineering, um, you know, software development, that kind of thing, math as well to some degree, um, not as many women are going into it, and it's not moving. So I thought that was interesting. But you know, my project was related to organizations that are truly wanting to recruit more women eventually to their to their workforce, but also you know want to encourage girls. To, to continue being interested in science as they grow up, um, who have good intentions and have been running a lot of ad campaigns and internet video campaigns um, to try and, uh, you know, attract girls. Unfortunately, what they were putting in their ads, even how they dressed the girls or showed them what, whether they were working on science or not, was still quite sexist or showing patriarchal ideas of what a girl would be interested in. Yeah. And so I examined, that was the result of my, uh, my research, was I looked at, you know, what are they really doing? Um, are they putting out the right message? And unfortunately, it was a little bit hit or miss. <laughs> Some of it was very, very bad. Some of it was actually quite interesting. So, um, you know, for me, it, it's also... Um, for me, I'm a, I have an arts degree. I wouldn't call myself a technical person. Having said that, all I do is work in technology, <laughs> right? So I'm a STEM professional. So there's also that other aspect of just because you didn't study X, Y, Z doesn't mean you're, you can't be, you know, work for a STEM company. So there was that aspect as well. So um, after my project, uh, I, I, I um, passed my, um, my program, I've actually been involved in a, in, in a couple of, um, conferences uh, where we had panel discussions with women who are in STEM um, and talk about the, the issues they've encountered and you know how they can overcome them and how we can work together to to encourage women to to go into these fields and to stick with it um, because even even though they may get a degree sometimes they don't stay in the field so what do we need to do to to encourage them and it's very it's very exciting it's very it's very interesting to you know to talk to someone who 
Um, for example, one of the companies that uh, the ad that I included in my research, um, they weren't happy with <laughs> the results of my research, which was using critical discourse analysis. So you look at everything, the words that are being said, the music, how the, the girls are being portrayed, what are they doing in the ads? And she was actually quite angry and she was a communication professional. And I, I said, I, I think you should look at this as helpful because I put some guidelines in my research, my findings about what you could have done maybe to improve that. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with getting criticism and trying to improve your next attempt at it. Um, so, um, but other people have been open to it. <laughs> so it really depends on who you speak to, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very, it, I think it's a very important thing yeah. um, that we, you know, have more women in. and not just because I'm a woman and I want my nieces to grow up to be an engineer. It's because, you know, we need a diverse group of people doing scientific inquiry in order to we need, uh, provide we need. innovation to the world for everyone. Uh, we exactly. Need, we need we everyone. Need women, we need people of color, we need people of different cultural backgrounds. Um, you know, a white, a group of white male scientists are going to only look the world through their lens. So, yep. but, you know, for example, uh, the example I use all the time is Apple. Uh, a few years back, released their new iPhone, and Tim Cook was at his conference saying, oh, this iPhone is wonderful. Look at the health app. It does everything. It monitors every function of the body, except one that only women have. <laughs> so I guess that's there weren't any women in that room who built mm -hmm. that app, right? Mm -hmm. So that's a silly one, but also heart, um, heart disease research. There's not a lot of research being done on women. Well, perhaps more female doctors would be interested in <laughs> setting yeah. that kind of thing. So we need it to be truly innovative in the world. Yeah, that, that, um, uh, that, that, that's very um, relevant right now. Uh, and uh, it, it, it's important um, because in the past, I think high tech uh, was reserved to corporate or uh, was reserved to a certain section of, uh, of the population. But today... Today, high tech is uh, accessible to uh, to most people. So, whenever there is a new innovation, it uh, it it affects our uh, our day to day uh, our day to day life. So, um, uh, yeah, and today we have uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning. So, in all those new softwares, all those new tools, if we don't put intelligence that covers um, uh, all the whole population, we are uh, we are definitely missing out, and even more than missing out, we are actually uh, uh, penalizing uh, yeah, a, a part of the uh, part of the population. Uh, so uh, so yes, yeah, so that's uh, that, that's important. I I must personally, I must say, I have in most of my projects, uh, women were a minority. I often had a woman that was a leader in my project, but um, yeah, most of the time it was a, a minority. And and how 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 is it? Um, because you 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 have done the research on uh, on implicit bias. Uh, I think that's more related to ads. Uh, but at the workplace, uh, you would have sometimes, and and I am a man, so I know that I've already heard that is you have the 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 woman that is a leader is like a, uh, some people will think that it's um, uh, in, in French we say a garçon manqué like. A, it's almost like yeah, she she tries to be a man, or she should have been a man, and that's why she uh, she reached that uh, leadership position. Uh, is it is it today uh, for a young woman? Do they still think that they have to be uh, they have to be manly in order to uh, uh, to succeed in the industry, or uh, or they still think that they can just be themselves and uh, and progress uh, like that? 
That's a good question. Actually, that's another idea for a very good research project. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's really good. Um, You know, I haven't surveyed my friends, um, but, you know, in my experience, people, everyone I've worked with, whether it, I don't just mean change management consultants. I mean, I work with a lot of technical folks on these projects as well, interact with them. And I think that they're themselves. I mean, I think when you're younger in your career, you worry and it's not, I mean, at at least for me, it wasn't about being a woman. It was about my skills and knowledge. Oh my God, do I have enough knowledge and skills? Um, But having said that, there there are still the boys groups. There's still golf going on. And, you know, I know um, at one of my um, conferences that I'm, uh, panels that I moderated, um, uh, Barbara Robinson, who is a civil engineer, so she deals with sewers and pipes and city municipality projects (laughs) getting us our water. And she said, you know, I had to learn how to play golf and I, I went, I, I went to golf tournaments because I, I was missing out on networking, um, you know, and, and I'm a huge hockey fan. Tr- really, I'm really a hockey fan. And I, I, someone once said to me, well, did you, did you like learn about hockey so you could talk to your colleagues? I'm like, <laughs> that's just who I am. But I could see, so there definitely is a feeling like I have to find a way to relate to, to people. Um, so uh, which is very interesting because that's what we do in change management is try to find a connection or relation to that person. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, back in the day when I first started my career, I remember um, that there was a, a women's leadership course where they were telling us to wear business suits like skirts and the blazer and, you know, and so you're trying to look more like your colleague who has a you know striped shirt and a, a jacket. Okay. But um, I don't see that as much anymore, <laughs> but uh, I think in some industries, probably yes, but I, you know, uh, I, I'm not sure. And, and, and to tell you the truth, I'm the wrong person to ask. I'm not very good at trying to be something else. I'm very, no, you're yourself, how I am. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, but having said that when you, depending on your client, you realize the culture is different. So I have to kind of maybe not say something here. Then that's not just because I'm a woman, it could be just the culture and, you know, hierarchy within an organization. Um, but women, yes, definitely face, um, you know, uh, I would say I, and I've experienced it as well. I'm a, I'm straightforward. Uh, I'm not as abrasive as a lot of some of my male colleagues, but when a woman is straightforward, you know, the words aggressive come out or, you know, oh, you should be nicer to people. And I, uh, you know, and, and I, I don't think a male colleague would receive that feedback. Right. Yeah. So. Um, and I have to say to one colleague, because <laughs> I'm very expressive and maybe my voice gets louder. I'm not angry, but I'm just expressive. And, and you know, someone said, oh, well, you know, you need to calm down. I said, I'm not even angry. You don't want to be here if I'm angry. <laughs> this is just me <laughs> on a good day. Right? Yeah. So, but I don't think men would get that. Yeah, yeah I, I, I totally agree with the... Uh, the uh, aggressive uh, kind of uh, accusation because um, for for the same tone, same uh, word uh, mm-hmm. that is said in a meeting or in a, in a conversation, yeah, sometimes for a woman, you will say, hey, you know what, yeah, she's pretty aggressive. But then for a man, he's more like, he, he says it like it is. He's yeah. a leader. He says it like it is. Like it, it has that... Uh, positive undertone <laughs> uh, behind and that's a uh, yeah that that's definitely also uh, uh, in my opinion uh, implicit or explicit uh, uh, bias uh, in on the on the workplace 
so so I think yes, your 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 work is uh, is is very uh, is very important because uh, uh, the 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 less the less women we we have uh, in STEM fields. And today, uh, all the innovations in STEM are used by everybody. So the less women we have, uh, uh, the less um, the society will progress, I, I think. So, so it's very important. Uh, yeah. So uh, that, that, that's great. Uh, also, so you, you have had a degree in art. I'm just curious, were you, what were you doing as an artistic uh, <laughs> activity? Well, I have a my mind. It's really quite funny. Uh, I'm I have a my major in in my undergraduate was journalism, but I, my minor was in philosophy. Um, mm. But uh, my my hobbies, I, I'm an amateur photographer, um, so I do a lot of that. And um, you know, uh, and I was the and I say I'm an artsy person. I mean, obviously, I'm not. I work in <laughs> technology and I'm project manager. But um, many of my friends, uh, you know, my cohorts of friends from high school and college did get engineering degrees, right? Were the technical people. I was their artsy friend who went to journalism school. Mm -hmm. So that's what I mean more around, I, I was the artsy person. And then how did I end up working in technology? Because I, I you know, I, I think it's the same thing that drew me to journalism. I wanted to find out about the world. So I also wanted to find out about how does this technology work? How do we explain it to other people? And right, and, and then I just was adaptable to different roles. Ah, that's a, that's a, that's amazing. So yeah, that, that's it was a great conversation. So we we spoke about uh, uh, a lot of things. So uh, journalism, arts, how you started uh, in uh, in in tech, uh, consulting, change management, and uh, the importance of having more women uh, involved in STEM. So uh, and today you are a um, uh, independent consultant. So uh, you have traveled as well in a lot of countries. Uh, you have you have worked in England. Yes, I was also. on assignment there for two years. Yeah. Okay, so so um, given that we are on the consulting lifestyle podcast, so uh, uh, for you, uh, Ruth, what does uh, having a consulting lifestyle mean? So probably two things. One is um, that you are there uh, to bring your skill set, your subject matter expertise to an organization, number one. If you don't belong to that organization, I, I've had to remind clients several times, my counterparts or client teams or stakeholders, I'm not doing this for you. you, your organization brought me and my other colleagues in here to help you do the transformation that you want to do. And we'll all go home someday. We're going to another project. So you need ownership and I'm here to give you my expertise and, and try to craft a strategy that will work for you. Um, and uh, I'm very much, uh, you know, willing to do the year to your projects or even shorter ones and then go to something new. Um, as, as I mentioned earlier, I really like I like learning what an organization did. I worked for a short time on the Molson Brewery um, SAP implementation in the early 2000s. And I wanted to go on a tour. How's the beer made? What does what the person do? Because they're eventually going to be touching the system that we're building. And we this production was part of their, their implementation. So you want to understand how their company works. So I love that. Um, and then the life, other part of the lifestyle is not so much the travel, but that even with when you're working for a firm, a lot of the times you are alone because you're not working with the colleagues who have necessarily are your peers. I didn't work with somebody who was a change management lead on my project from PwC or IBM, right? I was sent somewhere else and I had to try and find a way to stay in touch with my community. Um, so networking became very important um, and also forging relationships with people on the project who we might not have ever worked with before. Um, so interpersonal skills, um, and 
you know, the travel side of it, I've traveled, I calculated the other day, I think I traveled about 65% of the time that I've been in consulting. So that means I was only home for short periods of time. And so that is an adjustment. Um, it can be very exciting. It really depends on, sometimes you're sent to exciting places, sometimes you're not. <laughs> so, um, but, uh, you know, one thing that I've been complimented on um, is I remember a partner, uh, I was returning to the airport um, on a on a Thursday evening and uh, we all would meet, you know, in the lounge because we're all going home. And I was not in business attire. I was in jeans and a t-shirt and it's because I had gone on a roadshow for change management um, throughout the province. And, but I had time, downtime for a few hours and I took advantage. I went, I, you know, did a bit of a touristy thing. I took pictures of a photographer. Um, they recommended that I go to some winery somewhere. I went there for lunch and then I took pictures and then I eventually ended up at the airport. And I was kind of embarrassed because I wasn't addressed appropriately. And there are all these other colleagues around in their suits. <laughs> and but you know what? The partner was like, that's really good that you did that. That's really good that you enjoyed wherever you were. Because sometimes we're flying in or taking a train or whatever, get there, we're working tons of hours and we don't enjoy where we are. And we don't try to, um, to make it a livable experience. Um, so I've tried to do that wherever I went. Um, and uh, that's made it better for me. And the travel was, was really fun for me in that case. Um, um, so, and, and it's really getting used to having to pack your bag and go if you're, if you're traveling a lot, um, yeah. but really it's learning how to, how to really keep your network going, whether you work for a firm or you're independent, it's all about who, you know, what, what projects are going on. Uh, and that can be lonely sometimes if you're, you know, if you're not an extrovert, um, it can be hard, even though you're very good at your job, but you're not used to, it, it takes energy. Um, so that's something that I think is, is really important to remember. Sure. True. That's a very good, uh, very good answer. Being a subject matter expert and being used to, uh, because you are bound to to travel and having to get in touch with new people and forge relationships, so you can feel um, you can be alone, but you're not necessarily alone because you're always with new people. Mm -hmm. So right. uh, that, that that's great. And uh, how how can uh, uh, people that want to uh, get in touch with you? How can they uh, find you? Um, so you can find me on LinkedIn, um, uh, Ruth Fernandez, and I'm on Twitter, um, Fernand at Fernandez Inc. Fernandez, my name with a Z, and then I N K. Um, you can tweet to me or DM me, um, and you can mute me when hockey season restarts because I tweet a lot about hockey <laughs> <laughs> and politics as well. So you can mute me. Um, but uh, please feel free to reach out. Uh, and um, I love talking to people about uh, change management. And, Okay. And my research as well. So. Okay, perfect. Uh, perfect, Ruth. So uh, maybe uh, you will let me know if you do re start another research uh, on the implicit bias at work. And uh, it was wonderful to, uh, to have you on the show. And uh, we will uh, talk again uh, soon. Great. And hope to see you again soon, hopefully. Oh, uh, yes. Also. also <laughs> In also. person. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank Bye. You. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Consulting Lifestyle Podcast. Leave a review on iTunes if you have enjoyed the episode and subscribe to the podcast so that you get notified to hear other episodes with your host, Diogène Tirandekura.